Hello. Ellen Metzner. Yes, hi. This is Jay Michaels. Hi, at, how are you? At last we cyber meet. If I'm on the line, oh, you're I on know, the air. I know. We're, we're appropriately social distancing. <laughs> if, we get, if we get any further, I think I have to write you a letter or something like that. <laughs> how are you? Not bad. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, uh, you're, you're, uh, uh, other than, other than the connection of Facebook, the, the one degree of Facebook, uh, uh, yeah. you, you and I are, 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 somewhat strangers, so I'd love to get to know you as I'm sure our listeners would. Please, please give okay. us, uh, give us the story. Well, which one would you like? <laughs> Whichever one you wish to tell, I'll take all of them, frankly. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, I've been, uh. I've been uh, requested to do a lot of interviews based on uh, two things. Number one is the book that I wrote with my colleague, Valerie Hughes, called Nurses on the Inside, Stories of the HIV-AIDS Epidemic in New York City. Right. And, of course, it is extremely timely now that we are going through another epidemic <laughs> called COVID-19. Right. Where there are many nurses on the inside. Um, so... You know, I've been uh, being interviewed uh, constantly uh, with regard to the uh, differences and similarities between the epidemics and um, uh, what, uh, well, what we feel are, myself and Valerie, who's not with me right now because she is working on a protocol uh, as we speak, mm -hmm. um, and also how I feel about returning to the workforce as uh, Governor Cuomo has requested a lot of us nurses who are not practicing at the bedside, I am teaching now, uh, return to the bedside. Um, and there's also a lot of discussion surrounding having students who have not yet graduated yet, but are perhaps close to graduation, returning to the, uh, going to the bedside and kind of fast-tracking them so that they can sit for their NCLEX exams or using uh, some of them as nursing assistants. Talk about um, a baptism by fire. Are, I'm sorry? Talk about a baptism by fire. Yeah, well, I mean, that's uh, that's sort of the way it goes. Yep. When, you know, you have talented people, and they can do something. Uh, you want them. Of course. Uh, not at all unsimilar to my first experience working in a designated aid center where mm. nobody wanted to work, and so all you had to have to do was have an interest and not be afraid of working with people with AIDS, and you were hired, no matter what experience you had, and we just trained you. So, um, you know, there was no onboarding process back then in the 80s to say, you know, well, what have you had any experience? Uh, it didn't matter. You know, you could have been a McDonald's checkout person, and you want to work with people with AIDS, we'll find something for you to do. There you go. So that's, uh, that, you know, that was certainly... Uh, uh, disparity from the way things are now where, you know, you could take months to get credentialed and, you know, get references and titers and so on and so forth to be hired at a hospital or anything. So that, you know, that's, uh, those are some of my stories. So if you'd like to ask me some questions. I certainly I would. would. Oh my goodness. I, I'm, I'm holding, I'm holding back my voice so that you can finish. Uh, no. uh, well, please go ahead. How do you, uh, let's let's talk about you, you, you first. How do you feel about going back into duty? How do you feel about becoming a soldier again? And I don't I don't think uh, anyone who handles medicine right now, anyone in the medical field, is not is not a, a, a doctor, a nurse, or whatever. They are a soldier. 
Uh, how do you feel about coming back? Well, I first of all, I don't feel like a soldier, honestly. I feel like it's my job, just as I did back in the 70s and 80s. And um, I feel that if I were... If I am given the proper protective equipment, I am well-versed with infection control policies that I would be able to care for people and not um, have any issue with my own health. Uh, so I personally have no problem with it. I also personally have no problem with bringing in a band of LPN students, which is where I'm teaching now, mm -hmm into an extended care facility, for example, which is where I was teaching before we had to leave the facility, and continue to teach them, as I believe that um, today's students need to know how to respond in a time of crisis. They need to know what institutions and facilities are doing um, so that if, when the next crisis comes along, they know how to mobilize. They know what to do. So I personally would have no problem. Of course, you know, the school, it would have to be up to the school and in many cases up to the student to volunteer, but I know that Governor Cuomo is looking at these things. Uh, so I, for one, I say to him, count me in. That's wonderful. And it's wonderful. I wish it could be an easier entrance for them, but, but after such an experience, uh, the, the, your, your, your people that you're bringing in, they're... they're uh, their acumen, their their power is going to be so much stronger. So, yeah. so, yeah, so I, I'm, I I'm dubiously very, thrilled at that. Uh -huh. I'm very disappointed that we were removed from the clinical facilities, although I do understand um, sure. because we were using up a lot of personal protective equipment, but we were also doing a lot of the work. So, you know, it's kind of, to me, it was six of one, half dozen of the other. And right. We were doing AIDS work. We were doing the care. We Because I was on a chronic vent unit. Um, which, by the way, no patient on that chronic vent unit has come down with COVID, although patients in the hospital, in the uh, extended care facility where I was teaching, have. So, uh, but uh, a vent unit, uh, chronic vent unit, is probably one of the safer places to be because the airways of these patients are closed. They're closed off, so you cannot cough and breathe on them because their airway is hooked up to a ventilator, so it's sealed. Basically. Some more dubious luck in, in such a situation. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. What, what do you what do you see as the difference? Uh, there, there you were in the front line for AIDS, and, and now here you are. Uh, what's the difference uh, to to us laymen out here? What are what's the difference? Well, first of all, uh, now the the difference is is that um, the COVID is spread by droplets. Whereas HIV, when we actually found out how it was spread, is spread by bloodborne. And it is right. much easier to protect yourself against coming in contact with blood than it is coming in contact with somebody who's breathing or coughing. Right, right. So there is that. And um, from what we know about COVID, because um, I, I digress again back to the AIDS epidemic, when people first started coming in with uh, pneumocystis pneumonia, we originally thought that it was the pneumocystis that was more virulent. So mm -hmm. perhaps it was a respiratory spread back then. But again, we didn't know for years what was causing this. Right. Uh, but we do, we of course do now, and we did after a few years. Um, and uh, so COVID right now is something that uh, 
the virus builds up in the back of the throat, and it sits there. And it sits there for days before it proliferates and causes problems, and then you, you have people presenting with a sore throat, followed by the buildup of mucus in the airways, and thus the shortness of breath, and ultimately the need to be on a ventilator, which is why we are so short on ventilators, because people were first presenting just with a sore throat and a cough, and tossing it off as, oh, I have a cold or I have the flu, maybe. Then the fevers start, and then the shortness of breath starts, and then it's downhill from there. Right. But the mechanism, because the people that have uh, unfortunately passed away from COVID uh, were in what's called um, adult respiratory distress syndrome, ARDS, or ARDS as it's called, and pneumocystis ultimately killed people in the same way by going into adult respiratory distress syndrome, also known as ARDS. Right. So what was happening was the tiny units of the lung filled up with fluid and virus, which is in the case of COVID and pneumocystis, um, which in the case of uh, that pneumonia. And so no oxygen or carbon dioxide exchange could take place. So people are dying the same actual way with a different organism. That's um, very ironic. Yeah. So, so the actual the actual death is related to the adult respiratory distress syndrome, in which the patient can no longer be ventilated on the ventilator. Right. Now you have the differences is that um, back in the late seventies and early eighties, um, we didn't have internet, social media, computers, cell phones, nothing. So we didn't know, uh, when I was working in the ICU back at Roosevelt Hospital in 1979, we did not know we were the only ones, we were not the only ones experiencing this. So we thought we were just seeing a cluster of things. Right. But because we had no intercommunication with other hospitals back then. There was just no way to have it. Do you think there's... That wasn't... That's okay. Do you think... It wasn't until... 81, when the MMR, uh, WR report came out that said that now we're seeing a cluster of men who have pneumocystis and a cluster of people who had Kaposi sarcoma. So it took a long time for the CDC to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, we have something going on here. And in both cases, the COVID epidemic and the AIDS epidemic, the government response is horrid. Thank you. Uh, you. You just saved me a lead-in. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> we hear... Uh, I, I, I was going to have two questions. One was going to be... Today, it's the exact opposite. We have so much uh, uh, information overload uh, that, that we can get ten different stories on the same channel at the same time. Uh, uh, are we doing the right thing? Is, is, is what's going on the right way? You're right there. You would know. Is, is it, are we doing it right? Um, well, I mean, I can speak for Governor Cuomo in New York, and for him uh, having social distancing and locking down uh, non-essential businesses, that is absolutely the right thing because of how rapid it is spreading and how uh, the spread can be insidious. Like, you don't know you're infected, but you've had the cluster of virus sitting in your throat, but you don't yet have any symptoms. So, yes. Uh, we, from that perspective, from the perspective of New York, uh, 
and Chicago and L.A. and those governors that are locking down their state, they are absolutely doing the right thing. Uh, the federal government, on the other hand, um, you know, I, I, I try to stay non-inflammatory, but when you see... <laughs> Go right uh, ahead. This is an artistic right. site, so something tells me you're going to have a lot of people cheering with every word you say. Well, you know, I, again, I have to say that um, we had evidence that this was coming from the time when it was an epidemic in the Wuhan province. We had, we had evidence. We had virologists warning that this was coming. We had Dr. Anthony Fauci warning that this was coming. We had a government that chose to sit on it and say, oh, it's no big deal. And, and even at the beginning, when, I, um, when we started first hearing about the cases in the state of Washington, it was like, oh, all right, you know, they're just getting the flu. It's just old people in nursing homes. You know, they, they get the flu. They, they're elderly. They have a lot of comorbidities that are dying, you know, and, and, you know, then when you got a sniffle, you're like, all right, it's a sniffle. But now these, this has turned out to be way, way more than that. I mean, I know people personally who have been exposed who now have COVID and some yeah. who are very, very ill and some who have died. Yeah. So it is very, very important uh, for the frontline workers to have uh, the correct of personal protective equipment. And it is important for the government to see that and make it happen. Why do you think they don't? I, I know this is a, a really weird question, but but why do you think they don't? Yes, you're saying people didn't pay attention to AIDS when it first came out. They're not paying attention to this. How many stories do we hear even about 9-11 where they knew there would be an attack months before it was actually going to occur? Why, why aren't mm -hmm. they paying attention? Why do you think they're not paying attention? And and obviously it's all conjecture, but why? Well, honestly, because they're Republicans. <laughs> and their <laughs> priorities, their priorities are not with the American people, the, the disenfranchised, the marginalized, because those are the people that initially in the AIDS epidemic got sick. Yeah. And uh, they weren't the wealthy people. And if it weren't for the gay men who had, who you know, were not going to stand for this and had a voice, we may ha never have had what we had done. Finally, when people started researching into this epidemic, so you know, we have another government that is for the rich guy and doesn't care about the marginalized, disenfranchised. Originally, didn't care because. Hell, who cares about a bunch of old people in a nursing home? They're going to die anyway. Right. But now that it's starting to affect people like Rand Paul mm -hmm. and Tom Hanks, and you know, it had to affect Rock Hudson and Freddie Mercury, That's and right. that you know, then people start drawing attention to it. And now that we have senators coming down with COVID, you know, you have to take a look at what's going on in the world. But again, you have a stalemate between our 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 Senate and our House of Representatives, and you have just a stalemate that you know that's been going on for four years now. So we, I mean, we all know that yeah. we all know what's going on. That yeah. you can't. You know, there's not one bill that's been passed because everything is a is a rally. Yeah. Um, even the COVID updates from the White House are just a rally, and you know you see the look on Dr. Anthony Fauci's face and Dr. Brick, and you just go, oh wow, you know. 
they, they look like they just want to shut him up. There was one conference uh, where, uh, one press conference where there was uh, one of the gentlemen was behind him and literally stifling a laugh. Uh, at, oh yeah, at, yeah. At what he was that's, that's become like a meme. That's that. Yeah, that's the first place I heard yeah. it before I, I researched the uh, the press conference itself. I thought, no, this can't mm-hmm. be possible. This is this is something. And, mm-hmm. But there it was. Mm-hmm. So we're so and now we you know now we have a president that wants to open the co- the country by Easter, you know, and start trade and and so on, and and that can't happen. It has to be up to the governors. I mean, he didn't close these states, and he's not going to be able to reopen them. No, no, no. So. Uh, it, it would only it would only create a, a bigger tragedy than we already have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, it's it's a class war again. We're 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 England yeah. in the eighteen hundreds. We're 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 back to where we were in the eighties. Where wherever it's it's the rich versus the yep. poor again. Yep. <sighs> yep. But a lot more rich people are going to get this than uh, you know than ever before now because of the way that it spread and how easily it spread and how people think that they're above it all and are ignoring the warning to stay socially isolated. Yeah. Yeah, they don't think they're going to get it because they're rich. Yeah. Right, because that, well, back in the day with the AIDS epidemic, you know, we used to say to nurses and people that were afraid of getting AIDS, well, you know, don't share needles and don't have sex with your patients and you'll be fine. (laughs) So we can't say that now. No, now it's literally don't touch them, don't breathe on them. No, don't, yeah, don't breathe, don't touch, don't go out, don't be in in crowded places. I mean, that didn't happen with the AIDS epidemic. It did not happen because it was not spread that way. This is almost biblical because it's, it's, there is no one that it will not affect. uh, That's correct. uh, Theoretically speaking. Uh, Yes, it's a virus. It wants a host. AIDS is a virus. It wanted a host. Right. It was bloodborne. This right. is airborne. Okay, so so for all us poor people uh, sitting in our homes wondering what the hell to do, what is your what is your educated advice? What should we do? We're at home. We don't want to go to the hospital. We don't want to crowd the place. Uh, what should we do? Well, what we do is we 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 practice social distancing. Sure. We practice aggressive hand washing. Yep. We become more aware of what we touch. Doorknobs, if you have to go, we only go out for things that are necessary to the grocery store, to the pharmacy. And for those people that have to work on the front lines, like my daughter, who is a PA in an emergency room, like my husband, who is an x-ray tech in an emergency room, uh, they have to think before acting. They have to put on their personal protective equipment before right. running right. in. You know, uh, again, I it wasn't it was only a year ago that I was working in uh, acute care hospital as an educator, where part of my job was to respond to all emergencies. Mm-hmm. Just run in. You know, that somebody rings the bell that we're having the code, and I'm there. No gloves, no, you know, no time to put on gloves sometimes, no time to put on a mask with a face shield. And now you have to stop and think. You have to have these things in your hand ready to put them on as you're running in the door to any emergency. So those people on the front lines need to have those things. And the fact that they don't have those things or don't have the things in the numbers that they need is shameful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I mean, the fear and the hysteria, I'm going to say back in the late 70s, early 80s, 
was the same as the fear and the hysteria is right now. Only we were able to quell that fear and hysteria with education and and years of knowledge, and we are not quite there with this epidemic yet. But we know what to do. We need to stay in our homes unless you need to be somewhere, unless you need to go to the grocery store, or unless you are one of the essential personnel, the police, the firefighters, the healthcare workers, the sanitation. And once you're on those jobs, you need to know how to protect yourself. Carry Purell in your pocket. Uh, one of the things I read is drink a hot liquid. Have a sip of a hot liquid every half an hour because if, for example, you were exposed to COVID and you're sitting in your throat prior to giving you symptoms, if you can wash some of that virus down into your stomach by drinking a hot liquid, um, a, the heat will kill part of the virus, and B, the hydrochloric acid in your stomach will kill part of it, too. Right. So it's possible to have it, if you've been exposed, to have it go no further. So, um, there, you know, and again, healthy, just like we did back, back in the 80s, healthy lifestyle. Keep your immune system intact. Yeah. Eat well. Exercise. Keep yourself healthy. Because, yes, it is striking people that have heart disease, diabetes, COPD, that kind of thing, because they have an unhealthy body. So um, that, those are those are the things that I recommend. Exactly what all the experts are saying is is exactly what we should be doing. Get those kids off the street. Thank you. Think that they're you know impervious, riding bicycles together, playing basketball being on the beaches, being in the parks. I mean, Governor Cuomo said he's probably going to have to close the parks. Good, good. That's good. unfortunate because, you know, it was a good place, you know, to just walk around. You know, you want to get out. You want to get a little exercise, just take a walk. You know, you people should be able to take walks and keep a six-foot distance among, among themselves. They don't have to be hanging all over each other in order to walk. Not when there's enough people who think they're invincible, then, then the parks well, need to close. That's correct, yes. And just as he has, you know, the malls and all the unessential businesses are closed, that is what has to happen. So, and I, I believe Governor Cuomo is doing an amazing job, and he is being more than presidential when he is speaking well about uh, saving the lives of New Yorkers. How long is it going to last? Now, I, I can't even go into the, it will open by Easter. I can't even go into it without without... I, I, just embarrassing myself, so I won't go into that. But uh, how long do you think it's going to last? Well, I mean, if you if you you know if you pay attention to if we all pay attention to what the experts are saying, Dr. Fauci um, and the the presidential team, that again, you know, we haven't tested enough people, so we're going to see the curve go up because we're testing a lot more people. Of course. Um, We'll see hospitalizations go down if enough people stay inside and stop exposing themselves. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we're going to see another upswing, just as everybody else is saying, because A, we're testing more, and B, you know, uh, there are still some people that have not taken it seriously yet. So we're going to, I think this thing is going to go through the summer. Um, really? That is my best guess. I'm hoping that with the warmer weather, when it really gets warm, like we're talking 60s and 70s constantly, mm-hmm. where, you know, 
usually that's, you know, flu season dies out by then. Although we've had had a bunch of flu seasons that did not die out um, because the, the vaccine was ineffective. But hopefully um, we'll, we will get some people that uh, will create antibodies. I mean, hopefully there'll be an antibody test like there is for, uh, you know, uh, an antibody test would be a blood test where, like you have for rapid HIV. You could stick your finger and see if you've developed the antibody. Uh, now we're just looking at a rapid swab test, like when you go to the doctor's office with your kid and you get a rapid strep test, and they know right away, strep or not, just the rapid flu test, is the flu or not. Hopefully we'll have a rapid test for COVID, it is or not. So um, we don't have that yet. Right. And then we'll have an antibody test, and from the antibody, hopefully, they will be able to make a vaccine, which then I would predict years from now or a year from now that uh, people that are on front lines in healthcare will have to be vaccinated for this because it's in the community, so it's always going to be there. Right. It's not going to be eradicated, so we'll, we'll have to get vaccinated for it. And so be it. You know, you want to prevent disease and there's a vaccine that takes care of it. Well, then people should get it. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And you're absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for this information. Thank you for the work that you're doing again. Uh, uh, You should not not be thanked constantly for what you did during the AIDS crisis and 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 the resolve you have now of just playing well, it's, I'm not a soldier; it's my job. And just uh, you are the—I'm I'm a comic book geek, so when I call you a superhero, I'm giving you the highest compliment I could. Uh, oh, well, thank you. It is—it is, is really wonderful to speak to you. I'm speaking to your partner uh, at some point. I'm trying to to arrange yeah, time Valerie, with her. Yeah. What do you mean a yeah, protocol? Is, you would say she's working on a protocol. What does that mean? Well, Val- Valerie is a research uh, nurse practitioner. So she is responsible for many of the protocols for the HIV drugs that are being used today. She uh, examined the patients. She gave them the drugs. She drew their blood. So she's responsible for a lot of the research that happened in New York. For 20 wow. years, she's been doing that because we wow. go way back. And I hope I hope that you'll read our book because you'll really see oh how my goodness, of course. it seems to be. Of course. So, um, but what... what she is doing now, she's partially retired, but they can't let go of her because she's so valuable. So she is working on a proprietary uh, protocol for COVID-19 involving antibodies. So I, I don't know any more than that because right now it's, it's just at the very beginning. So she may, when you talk to her, she may be able to tell you a little bit more, probably not much more because it's so new. But right. Her having been on the inside of many, many, many research studies, she'll be able to comment on on research uh, with HIV and then kind of parallel it into what kind of research needs to be done on COVID. Um, but that's where, when we um, we met each other as brand new nurses and where we split off was when AIDS went to outpatient, she stayed with it uh, going into AIDS research and outpatient. And I went back to the ICU. So our gotcha. our journey, uh, our our paths crossed over our entire uh, four plus decades in nursing, and then we uh, diverged probably in two thousand when she went off into research, and I went back to critical care. 
which is why my skill at the bedside is in demand right now. I would imagine and her that. skill for COVID is demanded in research. So I, I really can't wait for you to talk to her. I can't wait for you to read our book and, and hopefully comment on it in your social media streams. I, yeah, really. Um, I, I am not only going to read the book, but I am going to make sure that my audience knows exactly where they can get it. That if they don't read it, they're a fool. Uh, uh, and, and, and however they can contact you to just say thank you. Uh, for all you've mm-hmm. done, for keeping us alive, for, for your, your, your blunt truth, uh, uh, in this and probably every other interview. And, and it is really, it has really been my pleasure to speak to oh, you. Yes. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Have a great night and stay safe. Thank you. Same to you. Ciao. All right. Bye-bye now.